Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back with us this week and uh, we're looking forward to answering some more of your questions today. Uh, we've gotten lots of questions from you. We always do and we try to answer as many as we can each week to help people know their Bible a little bit better. So that's what we do on this program. That's all we do is answer your questions. So if you've got a question, uh, something in mind, you'll notice that there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us. Uh, we'll take your question, put it on the list, and get to it just as quickly as we can. So that's what we do here, and my helper in all this is Mr. Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go, and uh, we got some good ones coming up like we always do, but we always start with one for our viewers, see if they can answer one. This one's about a man with leprosy who uh, got kind of a strange cure. The prophet told him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. If you know his name, you'll get the answer right at the end of the program when we give it to you. So uh, discuss that with your family and see if you know who had that strange leprosy cure. All right, Toby, I think you drew the first one today, so let's get get started on yeah, these. Yeah, I have an Old Testament <laughs> dietary question. Okay. The question is, do the Old Testament laws about the kinds of, eat, of meat to eat still apply today? And the answer to that is no. Uh, the Old Testament laws about meat and other various kinds of dietary restrictions applied to the Israelites. And the reason for that is that God wanted them to be blessed. Of course, they were a, a wandering nation, and they would have to go different places and settle in the land and so forth. But of course, this was a time when they didn't have the advanced technologies that they do today and they didn't have refrigeration and all of that sort of thing. And so God set aside uh, two kinds of lists, clean and unclean. And he said, if you, if you eat these kinds of foods, uh, the, you won't have all these diseases. Exodus chapter 15, God said to Moses, if you'll apply these laws and live by these laws, you shall have none of these diseases. And it turned out to be true. There was a famous book written by a guy and he went through all of the dietary laws and restrictions and hygiene issues and it turned out that uh, God was right on those things. He showed them if you'll live this way uh, and then you won't have a lot of the problems that other the foreign lands do. And so that was the reason for it. And so today we live under, of course, a different covenant. We live under the new law. We have the freedom in Christ, and uh, we don't have to. Now, there are some people that try to live by those laws, and that's fine. But just understand that you can't be declared righteous under the law unless you keep all of it perfectly. So as far as your relationship with God goes, and as far as it being sinful, I know it doesn't apply in the same way today. If you'd like more information about the difference between the old law and the new law, I'd encourage you to read Colossians chapter 2, uh, starting about verse 13, and we'll see that the old law was nailed to the cross. Uh, and then Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says that we serve uh, uh, not under the old way of the written code, but we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 8, where Paul said, Food will not commend us to God, for we are no worse if we do not eat, 
and no better off if we do. And uh, that was a, certainly a bit of a struggle with the early church. A lot of Jews had come out of that system and they had a hard time letting go of that system. And Paul said, uh, well, food's not the issue anymore. Uh, that's all been taken care of through what Jesus did. Alrighty. Speaking of being nailed to the cross, we got a cross question here. So this viewer wants to know what type of tree was the cross made from and did God change that tree after that day? Uh, well, this is a good example of one thing I've learned over the 30-some years of Know Your Bible. Is it's amazing how many things I don't know. <laughs> uh, when I first got that question, I thought, what do you mean God change a tree? I never heard of such a thing. But I searched on the Internet, and sure enough, there's a legend about that. Uh, it's not in the Bible. And the specific answer to your question is no, the Bible does not say what kind of wood the cross was made out of. No mention of that. But there is a legend, the legend of the dogwood, that somebody dreamed up sometime. Of course, it's one of those uh, author unknown or author anonymous kind of things. But the story goes, and I'll tell it briefly, but uh, understand this is not Bible. The story goes that the dogwood used to be a strongest, straightest tree, uh, and the Romans picked dogwood trees to make crosses out of. Uh, well, when one was picked for Jesus' cross, the dogwood itself was so sorry that uh, it was used for that purpose, and Jesus sensed that somehow. So he, not cursed, but he decreed that from then on uh, the dogwood would never grow large enough to make a cross out of, and that it would be a small, twisted tree, and that the flowers would look like a cross. Uh, so the dogwood is kind of small and twisted, and uh, the flowers do have two bigger petals and two smaller ones make it look kind of like a cross. And in addition to that, they're white with some rusty dots out at the end, which supposed to represent the nail scars. So anyhow, somebody dreamed that legend up. Somebody's written a poem about it. You can find that on the internet if you want to read the legend of the dogwood. Uh, it's interesting. It's a nice poem, but has nothing to do with anything that we know from history. Uh, so no, Bible says nothing about the kind of tree that the cross was made out of. But okay. There's a little legend for you. <laughs> All right, the next question, a viewer wants to know, why do some churches believe that communion bread and wine are literally the body and blood of Christ? Okay, well, that's a doctrine known as transubstantiation. There are some groups that believe that when you partake of the emblems, uh, that they literally become uh, the actual body of Jesus and the actual blood of Jesus when you partake of those uh, when they're given by uh, a priest and so the question is, is this teaching biblical? What does the Bible say on this? Well, uh, I think the basis for this belief and this doctrine comes from John chapter 6, and it depends on how you interpret John chapter 6. Uh, let's look at uh, John chapter 6, starting in verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Well, uh, there are those who uh, look at John chapter 6, verse 53, and it seems to be pretty plain. It seems to, to be, you know, if you just take it at face value and interpret it literally, uh, then that 
seems to be what Jesus is referring to. Uh, however, as we often say many times on this program, a little context will go a long ways. And uh, that's what we need to do is keep on reading in John chapter 6 uh, and let Jesus interpret it for himself. Uh, John chapter 6, uh, just a few verses down from the ones we just read, uh, verse 63. We'll look at that together on the screen. Uh, Jesus said, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. As Jesus was saying that this teaching here, and by the way, they had a hard time with it in John chapter 6. There were many people that turned back from following Jesus and no longer followed him because they thought he was teaching literally. Uh, they thought he was teaching some sort of uh, cannibalism, some sort of doctrine that they knew was wrong. And, and so they turned away and no longer followed him. And he said, listen, these words I'm speaking to you are not to be interpreted literally, but spiritually. And so when we partake of communion, it's to remember uh, the body that was put on the cross and the blood that was shed for our sins. Uh, but we understand that that's a, it's a reminder. It's not something that literally becomes the, the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. So when, when we take Jesus at his words and we let him interpret his own words, we understand that he was specifically referring to teaching a spiritual truth, not not these, these verses were not to be interpreted literally. So um, this is what Jesus was saying. He was sustaining life, spiritual life, uh, not talking about the actual substance of the, the bread and the wine. I believe that's right. All righty. Let me take just a moment and talk about a good way to study the Bible. Uh, we like answering questions and hope you get a little bit of Bible knowledge each week, but there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we can ever get to in 30 minutes. So we advocate home Bible study and we've got some free home studies that you can uh, request and we'll send them to you in the mail. Uh, you can spend as much time or as little time as you want studying the Bible with these, and you can go as fast as you want or as slow as you want, but it's up to you. It's your study. It's designed for you. A uh, good basic Bible study, easy to get through. There's eight lessons in the first series, and uh, we're happy to provide those absolutely free of charge. All you got to do is call that phone number on the screen or log on to the website and say, request that correspondence course and we'll get it started for you. It's a great way to study the Bible. You'll know a whole lot more about your Bible after you finish these eight lessons. And uh, then we've got some more advanced courses beyond these that we're happy to provide if you uh, want to keep studying the Bible with Know Your Bible Study Tools. So that's a good way to study the Bible and hope you take us up on that. All right, I got a question about uh, baptism and the Holy Spirit and all that. Let's just read it. What does the Bible mean uh, when it says a man must be baptized by the Holy Spirit to enter the kingdom? Well, a little bit of uh, confusion here, and that's understandable because a lot of people get uh, baptism and Holy Spirit baptism and by the Spirit and of the Spirit and all that kind of confused if you don't pay close attention as you read. Uh, Jesus did talk about being born of the Spirit uh, to enter the kingdom. Uh, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit, and we'll read that verse in a moment. But that's separate from being baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit baptism that the apostles received. Uh, so let's just read a couple of verses and maybe you can see the difference there and we won't 
we don't have time to discuss this in great detail, but we'll just see if we can clear it up quickly with a couple of verses. First of all, is in Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And this is Jesus talking specifically to the apostles uh, right before he left earth. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, so he told the twelve, he said, you go to Jerusalem and wait there, and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit baptism. Uh, that happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. The apostles received miraculous abilities from that, from that Holy Spirit baptism, and that enabled them to do miracles and start the church and speak in other languages and all sorts of things. That's Holy Spirit baptism. Now, the verse that our viewers kind of transposed that a little bit in is in John chapter 3, and this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And Nicodemus asked what he had to do to get in the kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So what he's saying there, and putting all the other teaching in the New Testament together, is you've got to be born of the Spirit. The Spirit has to give you this new birth. And that's what happens at baptism. At baptism, we respond to Jesus' command to be baptized. We obey Him. And we trust and obey, like the old song says. And at baptism, the Holy Spirit gives us new life. Uh, we're told that we're a new creature after baptism. Uh, we've been born of the Spirit. The Spirit does that miraculous new birth uh, creation thing in our spirit and soul. And yes, God and Jesus all have a part in that. But here he specifically says the spirit gives the new birth. Uh, so there's the difference. Being baptized by the spirit, uh, it takes place at baptism, if you want to use the by term. And being baptized with the Holy Spirit is a very different thing. That happened to the apostles. We're not commanded to be baptized by the Holy Spirit uh, that age is past, and we don't believe that happens today. But uh, in baptism, water baptism, uh, of the water and of the Spirit, there's that miracle of new creation and new life. So hope that clears it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, the next question is, uh, Does Je did Jesus turn the other cheek to the devil? <clears throat> well, uh, the answer to that is no, he didn't. Uh, he actually came to destroy the work of the devil. Uh, that was his whole purpose. Um, but this may come from a misunderstanding, so we'll dig into it just a little bit. And, and hope this will help you a little. Uh, first, we go to the scripture where it comes from. He, he, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 39. Jesus himself, this is on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, I want to just focus on the word, the one. Uh, another translation, I believe the NIV says, uh, do not resist an evil person. So we're talking here not about 
the, the one is not referring to the devil, it's referring to an evil person. He's talking about how to deal with people. And uh, that's what the, the Sermon on the Mount is all about for kingdom people. Here's the way to act, and here's the way to be, and here's to w the way to conduct yourselves among God and men. And so that's, that helps us understand that just a little bit. Uh, we understand um, that our role in Christ as a follower of Christ is not to placate evil or to be passive to the devil and his work or to see evil and just turn a blind eye or turn away from it, uh, but rather to, to go to battle against it. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7, the brother of Jesus said, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so that's one of the things that when we become a Christian, we understand we are engaged in battle, and we have to resist the devil, and we have to use discernment to understand uh, the difference between right and wrong. So, uh, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about, and it's clear that we are to resist the devil as Jesus did. He overcame the devil and his work, and he, he needs us to do the same. Uh, he warned us against um, all of his schemes, and uh, that when he speaks, he's uh, speaking lies because that's his native tongue. And so we have to, as followers of him, learn to uh, not just realize the work of the devil, but to resist it and to overcome it. Let's finish uh, with one. First uh, John chapter three verse eight says, uh, "The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil." So that was his purpose. Uh, our purpose is uh, not to try to destroy those ourselves, but certainly to resist them and battle against them as much as possible. All right. Thank you. Uh, one of our most popular or frequent questions mm -hmm. is about cremation. And we'll answer it again today. If you just want to know what's the Bible say about cremation, and actually this is one of the easiest forms that question comes in because the answer is nothing. <laughs> uh, the Bible just doesn't talk about cremation. Uh, we often get asked, what do you think about cremation or what does God think about cremation? And that's a little different question because we can kind of surmise that. But the Bible just doesn't say anything about it. Now, the biblical custom was to bury people. And uh, some of the pagans burned people and all that. But the, God's people tended to bury them. Uh, so some people <coughs> think that's a reason to not do cremation. But, <coughs> excuse me, other than that, the Bible just doesn't give us any guidance really. Uh, some people worry that if you burn the body up it can't be res resurrected or it'll, it'll mess that up someday. Uh, the point to remember there is that God can restore whatever and most people that have been buried for a hundred years or more are already dust. Uh, and the Bible does talk about that. Let's look at that verse Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Now, the wise man talking about death and he says the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Uh, so that's kind of the way the wise man looked at death is the body's going to go back to dust and the spirit's going to go to God and everything's going to be okay. Now, we are promised a resurrection day and those who are in the graves will come forth. Uh, God's going to have to reconstruct those bodies uh, no matter what shape they're in, whether they've been in there a week or a thousand years and are completely dust. They're going to be resurrected and reconstituted into a resurrection body. Uh, so I wouldn't let that worry you. Now, we always say on this question that you need to talk to your family about it. And some people have no problem with cremation. And 
uh, other people it really bothers them. So make sure your family is all on the same page before you uh, determine how you want your remains to be taken care of. Uh, make sure everybody's on board with that. But Bible doesn't give us any guidance on that. Take this moment and uh, invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're supported by Churches of Christ and kept on the air by them. And uh, today I want to mention the home church of Know Your Bible, the Northside Church of Christ. Uh, it's up on North Meridian here in Wichita, Kansas, the home of Know Your Bible. And we'd be thrilled to have you visit any time. That's where Toby and I both uh, work and worship and be happy to have you drop in on us any Sunday. Uh, we meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings for worship and always have a few visitors from folks that have watched Know Your Bible and we'd be glad to meet you. But Northside, a great bunch of people. It'd be a good place to if you're looking for a church home. Uh, of course, all across the markets that we broadcast, Church of Christ is probably near you and uh, you'd be warmly welcomed in any of them. So drop in and visit the Church of Christ sometime. Okay, the uh, next question and one of our last ones is, uh, where does it say we are not to mix, uh, where does it say we are not to mix plants or cloths, or cloths, excuse me, uh, and the answer to that is, I believe you're referring, there's a couple of different places in the Old Testament, uh, one's in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, the one we're going to look at is found in Leviticus chapter 19, and we'll read that together on the screen, <coughs> you shall not, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed. Nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. Well, <clears throat> we do a little study. Uh, there's a bit of speculation as to what this meant and why this law applied to the Israelites, why God made this law. But that's the first thing we need to understand that this is in the Old Testament. It was uh, part of the uh, Mosaic law, uh, the law that God had delivered to Moses and that they were to obey. So when we look at that, we understand that in context, of course, it doesn't apply to us because today we live under the Christian covenant. And Jesus fulfilled every part of the Old covenant and when he nailed that to the cross as we've already said uh, then uh, now we live under uh, have freedom in Christ and we walk in the way of the spirit and so this law doesn't apply to us it did apply to them the, and why it applied to them is kind of up to speculation some have stated that it was not a moral law but rather that it was uh, the, mi the mixed fibers and interweaving uh, was to be done on garments that were reserved for sacred purposes. And that seems to make the most sense to me, although I certainly will not claim to be an expert on the subject, uh, that it was uh, the, those type of uh, garments were worn by the priests and the high priests, and that was not just for anyone to wear. So uh, I think that's probably the best explanation of it. Um, but you can do more study. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 9 through 11 is the other verse I mentioned. Uh, and Exodus chapter 28 speaks about uh, the differences between the holy and the, the sacred. So not binding to us today, but always one that people wonder about when they... Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you had a couple of Old Testament law questions today. Mm -hmm. and When you were talking about the first one, about the, the diet and all that... Uh, you explained that most of us, as far as we know, had to do with the health part of it, the diseases and all that that it were avoided by, uh, we can avoid today by refrigeration and all that. Uh, but some of them, uh, we really can't figure out why God prohibited that. Yeah. And when you get to one like this, yeah. different kinds of cloth and yeah. stuff, 
uh, it, we can kind of guess, but some of it I think maybe God was just teaching them. They had to be different. They had to follow His rules. Yeah. Uh, this set them apart from other people somehow. Yeah. And we really, we don't know why He made some of those rules. But uh, Yeah, uh, the whole theme of Leviticus <laughs> is there's a verse in there that, that says you must learn to distinguish between the holy and the common. Yep. And I think that's a lot of those laws are, you know, you're set apart for me. Yep. You're going to be different. Yep. Why do you do this? Well, because God told us to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's about the mm -hmm. about the right answer we get sure. to sometimes. But anyhow, He did it, and yep. they they were supposed to follow it. <laughs> All right. Question about angels here, an interesting question. Viewer said, if angels are always referred to in the Bible as males, uh, why are they pictured as females? Well, there are a lot of pictures of angels that look kind of like females for sure. Uh, especially uh, in cemeteries and things like that. Uh, a lot of the angel statues look like women as far as we can tell. Uh, I don't think angels particularly have gender. Uh, the Bible says they're not married. They're, they don't marry. Uh, so maybe they're sexless in some way. Uh, but a few of them that we have names for are given male names, Michael and Gabriel and all that. And when they appear on earth, when they come to appear to men, they're always portrayed as being men. So that's all we know about them. Now, the viewers' questions, if, if that's what the Bible says, then why do people paint them and depict them as girls? Uh, and my answer is, I don't know. You're going to have to blame the artists. So they <laughs> I did try to read on this a little bit. and. Uh, the theory was that some pagan influence came in, maybe that the pagans had female messenger gods. Uh, some artists were influ influenced by that, and maybe women angels are just more aesthetic to paint. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's an artistic thing, and I can't explain it why artists started doing that. But I understand the question. The Bible just refers to them as males all the time. All right, uh, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today. And we had one about the fellow with leprosy and uh, dipped seven times in the Jordan River. Well, his name was Naaman, uh, and Naaman was a pretty hot shot, big shot in his country. Uh, and he got leprosy, and his little servant girl told him about this prophet in Israel, and he went over there to get healed. and prophet told him to go dip seven times in the river and he didn't like that answer. It didn't, didn't seem very neat to him to dip in that old muddy Jordan River uh, but he was finally convinced to do it and sure enough it worked. He was healed of leprosy. So uh, it's a picture there of I think sometimes we question God's directions and wonder well, why would he tell us to do that but if we do what he says, it works. So, uh, good example of that in, in Naaman there. I think sometimes it reminds us that we try to make things a bit more complicated than we need to. <laughs> Just do what he said to do. Yep. And Dip how many times? Yep. Seven? Got yep. it. Which uh, river? <laughs> I'll go do it. That's right. Okay. Uh, well, if you haven't signed up for that Bible correspondence course yet, today would be a good day to do that. We uh, offer it each week, and I often run into folks that say, yeah, I'm going to sign up for that someday. Well, today would be a good day to do it. There's a phone number at a website right there. 
uh, you can get that study started, and we think you'll like it. It's overwhelmingly popular by people that do take the time to sign up for it and learn a little bit about their Bible. So uh, we'll make you that offer and hope that you take us up on it and hope that you're back next week. we got some more good questions coming up next week. We always do, and sometimes I think I forget to thank our viewing audience for all the good questions they give us, but uh, it's amazing after how many years we've been <laughs> on the air, we still keep getting new ones and interesting ones. So give us some more. We're glad you've been with us today and hope you come back next week for more of your questions. I'll know your Bible. Until then, have a good week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.